Good evening. The United States vows to deport Haitian refugees living under a bridge on the southern border. A lawsuit challenges Israel's observer status in the African Union, a right-wing rally for social justice, and a celebration of a Greenwich Village activist. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News for Sunday, September 19th, 2021. The United States acted Sunday to stem the flow of migrants into Texas by blocking the Mexican border at an isolated town where thousands of Haitian refugees set up a camp and American officials began flying some of the migrants back to their homeland. About a dozen, that's the sound of the people actually crossing a sort of a dam structure, about a foot underwater in a long line. About a dozen Texas Department of Public Safety vehicles lined up near the bridge and river where Haitians have been crossing from Ciudad Acuna, Mexico, into Del Rio, Texas for almost three weeks. An activist with the Haiti Bridge Alliance spoke as she held a newborn baby swaddled in pink. People have literally been spending five months on a journey, dying on the way. If the United States, the superpower, first world country, cannot absorb the people at the border, how do we expect Haiti to absorb them, the same place they have fled? The migrants initially found other ways to cross nearby until they were confronted by federal and state law enforcement. 3,300 migrants have already been removed from the Del Rio camp to planes or detention centers. Approximately 12,600 migrants remain. And a controversy is breaking out at the African Union, an organization of African states that changed its name from that in 2002, actually. The last month granted that last month granted Israel observer status. Israel has kept close ties with Africa's countries and the political bodies that represent them. However, for two decades, Israel's attempts to join the African Union have failed. Several countries at the African Union have been expressing dissatisfaction with the decision. South Africa, Algeria, Comoros, Djibouti. Egypt, Libya, and Tunisia have called on the AU to rescind the decision, which they described as unilateral. A group of international lawyers, researchers, and activists uh, earlier this week or last week filed a complaint with the African Commission on Human and People's Rights seeking the revocation of Israel's observer status at the African Union. Uh, One of those attorneys is New York's Stanley Cohen. He says the observer status was granted by a single member, the representative of Chad, and Israel is not deserving of the decision. It was filed with the um, with the African Commission on Human and People's Rights, which is the the judicial commission slash um, court process that oversees the African Union. Uh, they're sort of the, for lack of a better word, they are the mediator of disputes within the African continent. They are the court, or at times we are had as a commission that oversees complaints under universal jurisdiction that have to do with activity with regard to the African Union, individual states, and collectives. Uh, in this case, we brought an action before them seeking uh, the revocation, which was granted uh, really strangely enough, essentially by an executive order while the African Union legislature was not sitting by an executive member who granted Israel uh, observer status at the AU, something they've been chasing for over 20 years without success. What's the AU? Uh, 
That's the African Union. It's a collective of the 54 states of the entire continent of Africa. Is Israel part of Africa? No. It allows them a a megaphone to participate in discussions, to participate in in oversight uh, in ways that Israel is not entitled to. It rewards Israel for imposing the same kind of apartheid and colonial control that has been the arch enemy of the African continent for over a century. It provides a bridge for Israel to rekindle this pernicious relationship that it has held with Africa going back for decades. It's been one of the primary weapons producers and suppliers in Africa for decades. It was one of the last supporters, if not the last supporter, of South Africa during apartheid. It assisted South Africa in building nuclear weapons before the end of the apartheid system. It was involved in uh, the Rwanda slaughter, the genocide. It has played a role in providing weapons to in Kenya. It's had a very pernicious behind-the-scene role, and the observer status allows it to come out from beyond the clouds and to play an active and public-facing role in the politics of a continent that it has no right to participate with. What about China? There's nothing that stops states um, that that uh, from from entering into you know bipartisan agreements with other states throughout the world, but you can't compare the human rights record with the problems that China is having these days with Muslims, and I'm not going to play that down. The history of China vis-a-vis Africa as compared to Israel, the history of Israel here and now with regard to 11 million stateless Palestinians versus what's going on with China, um, we're not we're not suggesting. That's, that Israel should be barred, although I would like to see individual states in the African Union uh, participate in the BDS. We're not suggesting that we have a right to intervene in decision-making of individual states if they want to enter into relationships on an individual basis with Israel, if they want to enter into agreements, if they want to enter into covenants or treaties. That's up to them to make their own choice. But this was a decision by, the, by an executive leadership of the African Union which represents human rights, which represent a constitutional drive for liberty, justice, freedom, and equality throughout Africa and outside, and which is committed to ensuring the same process for oppressed people throughout the world. And when you open the door and you allow the world's leading oppressor, Israel, to walk in, to take a seat near the table, and to participate in the exchange and the colloquy, it not only violates the fundamental aspect of the African Charter and the African Union, but it is, in essence, inviting the same sort of neo-colonial project back into the circle that has been the primary oppressor in China, in Africa, for 150 years. And that's attorney Stanley Cohen. In the past, he's represented the organization Hamas, which rules the Gaza Strip. And the United States asked the United Nations to extend a waiver allowing the Taliban to travel outside of Afghanistan. The extension of the waiver would allow a Taliban delegation to travel to Doha, Qatar, where negotiations with U.S. officials have typically been held. The United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said in an interview with the Al Jazeera Network that it's important to engage with Afghanistan's new rulers to stop the threat of terrorism. It would be a disaster if terrorist organizations could uh, uh, operate again from Afghanistan. And I think we need to do everything possible to reach the opposite, to push for the Taliban to understand the importance of an inclusive government, 
that takes into account the diversity of the different groups. That uh, to do everything possible for the Taliban to understand that it is essential to respect a number of basic rights of women and girls. Knowing that we don't know what the future will bring, I know one thing. If we don't engage, we'll get nothing. If we engage, and at the same time, if we prove our added value by providing humanitarian aid to a people that is in a dramatic situation with millions and millions on the verge of dying because of hunger, if we don't do this, then it is clear that things cannot move in the right direction. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres. And in another new, in, in out-of-this-world news, four space tourists safely ended their trailblazing trip to orbit yesterday with a splashdown in the Atlantic off the Florida coast. When we first got strapped into the rocket, it felt like time was moving really slowly, like the countdown clock was barely moving. And then when you got down to like the last five minutes, it was racing. And it just we just saw those numbers disappear real quick. And, and that is the billionaire speaking. The SpaceX capsule parachuted into the ocean just before sunset, not far from where their chartered flight began three days earlier. The all-amateur crew was the first to circle the world without a professional astronaut. Billionaire Jared Isaacman paid undisclosed millions for the trip, and his three guests wanted to show that ordinary people could blast into orbit by themselves. And SpaceX founder Elon Musk took them on as the company's first rocket-riding tourist. It was billed as a fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. The crew included a childhood cancer survivor who was also the first person in space with a prosthetic limb. And back on Earth, hot, dry weather today added to the challenges facing California firefighters who are battling to keep flames from driving further into a grove of ancient sequoias where the base of the world's tallest tree has been wrapped in protective foil. Mark Garrett is an educator at for the uh, Parks Service. They are so well adapted. This bark right here could be three feet thick. It's full of tannins too, so it's hard to burn in the first place. It's so fibrous, and as well as penetrating to the cambium layer is just really difficult. And then if you could look at the lowest branches up there, you're talking about, you know, nearly 100 feet up. So you'd have to have huge flame lengths just to get up there to burn into the crowns. They're very resilient, but with our recent drought, you know, the tree mortality in the Sierra Nevada, maybe 200 million dead trees. Um, that's putting extra stress on these trees, too. So that's the reason for wrapping trees like the Sherman. That's, you know, our most popular tree. So we just want to make 100% sure that that's not going to burn up. The tallest tree in the world is called General Sherman. The fires forced the evacuation of the park last week, along with parts of Three Rivers, a football, a foothill community of about 2,500 people. Crews have been bulldozing a line between the fire and the community. More than 34 square miles of forest land have been blackened. And in a city still on edge after the January 6th insurrection, law enforcement bore down on large numbers on the Capitol on Saturday over concerns that a rally in support of the jailed rioters would turn violent. It didn't. The crowd was sparse and incidents were few. The only clear parallels to the riots more than eight months ago by supporters of Donald Trump 
were the false claims put forth by the rally organizers about the violence that January day when Congress met to certify the election of Joe Biden. The low turnout also called into question whether such rallies will have any staying power as the organizers attempt to tap into the rage of January 6th without the presence of the former president. Former Trump campaign manager Matt Brainerd says the numbers are down because of fear that the government is going after the J6 invaders for political reasons and letting left-wing protesters go. So we condemn violence, political violence in all of its forms. We don't want any today, and we condemn the political violence that happened on January 6th. Anybody who engaged in that kind of violence or property destruction that day deserves to be tried with a speedy trial and found guilty, locked up for a long time. There's no argument from anybody on our side on this issue. This is about the many people who were there that day who have not been charged with violence, not been accused of assaulting a police officer, destroying property, and the disparate treatment they've received. This is about equal treatment under the law. This is about a public investigation into many of the things that happened that have not been investigated publicly or third-party oversight, especially the death of Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer as she was banging on a doorway into an area where members of Congress were uh, not far away and the officer was uh, – was uh, um, I don't know the word for it – was allowed to uh, get away with that. And he claimed in a later interview that he really had no choice because his job was to protect the members of Congress. That's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez leading – no, 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 do not boo her. No, no, no. We're not booing. We're not booing people today, okay? We're not booing people. But uh, that is her insurrection, right, at the Speaker's office, interfering with government business, trespassing, parading. Let's see the next picture. This man has not been accused of violence. This man has not been accused of destruction of property. He has been accused of dressing horribly, I think. Uh, it's a matter of opinion. But what he did that day, and if anybody did anything similar, does not deserve nine months in solitary confinement without conviction, no conviction, nine months in prison. Denied bail, denied medical care. He is suffering. That quite from the sunlight. It looks like the picture's a little cropped. But that's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez leading. No, 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 do not boo her. No, 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 we're not booing. We're not booing people today, okay? We're not booing people. But uh, that is her insurrection, right, at the Speaker's office, interfering with government business, trespassing, parading. Let's see the next picture. This man has not been accused of violence. This man has not been accused of destruction of property. He has been accused of dressing horribly, I think. Uh, it's a matter of opinion. But what he did that day, and if anybody did anything similar, does not deserve nine months in solitary confinement without conviction, no conviction, nine months in prison. Denied bail, denied medical care. He is suffering. The thing is, is that historically at the Kavanaugh hearings, where people were arrested over and over again for storming the Senate office building. They stormed the hearings. They were arrested, bailed out, went back and did the same thing that day, over and over again. 
And that was Matt Brainerd, a Georgia GOP candidate for Congress. Mike Collins spoke as well. He doubled down on what he claims is the inequity in police response to the January 6th insurgency. Now, the current administration, oh, they'd have you believe it. The current day t- detainees, well, they're being treated just as equally as the protesters on the left. And, y'all, that's, that's just not true. What we do have, we have political prisoners here. And the media, well, they're the biggest ally for the left. They want you to believe that, well, this is just another conspiracy theory. But the facts, I'm going to tell you what, the facts are clear. We've got nonviolent misdemeanor offenders that are currently be held. They're being held with no bond, no access to lawyers, and sometimes in solitary confinement. And a lot of them, they're not even slated to see trial until next year. I tell you what, you won't find an example of that from Minneapolis or from when this nation's capital was on fire the summer of 2020. I tell you what, the American people are not stupid. We can see it with our own eyes, the difference in the treatment from our federal government because of someone's political beliefs. And that was Georgia GOP candidate for Congress, Mike Collins. But unlike the leftist protests, protesters at Collins' names, the J6 protesters were stirred up by a sitting president with the express person, uh, purpose of blocking the formal naming of President Joe Biden and act likened to insurrection. And you're listening to news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Closer to home, dirt bikes were demolished on Thursday at Staten Island. In an exhibition uh, put on by the NYPD in the city of New York meant to rid the streets of reckless riding. (laughs) And that's the sound of a gigantic earth mover. Um, It's treads crushing at least uh, 30 or 40, it seemed. It was hard to count them all, but uh, a whole bunch of lined-up dirt bikes that had been taken away from various people around the city. Uh, According to the city, hundreds have been crushed, and Mayor de Blasio was happy about it. We're doing the most aggressive thing possible. We're taking the dirt bike away, and you're never going to see it again. And we've got to send a message. Why? Because these dirt bikes are dangerous. Because they can endanger the lives of the people around anyone in the neighborhood. A kid, a senior citizen could be in danger, let alone the person riding. We also see a high correlation between those who have these illegal dirt bikes and crimes being committed, including shootings. The community is helping us. And I want to emphasize this. We need the good people of the city to give us the information. When we know where these bikes are being stored, that's how we get them off the streets. And Chief McAvoy of the NYPD had more in the same vein. While officers won't chase these riders through the streets, we will be at the locations where they congregate, safely stopping them, and using information to seize these bikes if illegally stored. And that's where we hope we can continue to count on the community. We are urging you to keep on calling us when you see these illegal bikes. Here today, the NYPD has received numerous, numerous calls, and we are certainly grateful for that. We will be using technology such as cameras at locations where riding is taking place to help identify the individuals involved so officers and detectives can take enforcement action. 
And that was Chief McAvoy. Black Lives Matter activists have pointed out the city would be better saved by helping people or serve. That is by helping people and finding them jobs rather than destroying their toys. And finally, last week, village activist Doris Dieter died at the age of 92, an event that uh, an event that was uh, called by the uh, a group called uh, the Village Trip, which was uh, an event where music was played and there were uh, block parties on McDougal Street and on 8th Street. And uh, many, many people, all longtime uh, residents were there to celebrate and to listen to wonderful music. Uh, a friend of WBAI for many, many years, David Amram, was there with his band and um, had a few words for uh, Doris Deether, who was an iconic person in the West Village. We were playing, celebrating the spirit of Greenwich Village and the great Doris Deether. All I can say is love, laugh, live. And that was uh, David Amram's band. And uh, we'll be hearing more from David uh, on uh, on uh, Radio Unnameable, uh, hopefully later in this week. And um, Doris Deether my, uh, was famous for her role in working with Jane Jacobs to stop Robert Moses from basically paving over half of what we today know as Greenwich Village with a massive highway project. It was one of the first major defeats of the city and of Robert Moses by any uh, community group and heralded a new a new era in how uh, New York City uh, residents were involved in uh, development decisions in their communities. And that's some of the news for Sunday, September 19th, 2021. The news has produced Linda Perry, our engineer is Max Schmid from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.